to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And we've got another little tiny episode. I am one of your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg. Jordan's not in here because she's being responsible and I get to hang out with cool people. So I am joining this this little sneak peek with Christine Weaver or C-Rex as we sometimes call her or a Weaversaurus. Um, I have a whole book. I don't know her official, like all her little initials, um, but she's part dinosaur. <laughs> I actually do have a Weaversaurus child's book that somebody got for me. So, oh, that's right. That's how that whole conversation started last year. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, Christine, tell me all your initials because I always get them wrong. Uh, you mean like credentials? Yeah, like, yeah, like C-W, C-Dub, C-Money, <laughs> I mean, if you want to say those, you can, but no, I was thinking your credentials because I'm like, I can't remember these. Uh, I'm an LVT. I'm licensed in the state of Virginia. Um, started off licensed as an RVT in the state of Maryland, but let that lapse when I no longer practice there. Um, and I am a VTS in neurology. Woo-hoo. And my... Yeah, whoop, whoop. Uh, and my bachelor's is in biobehavioral health. Which is also really cool. I remember when you were getting ready to finish that and I'm like, oh. it's, uh, yeah, it's a really great, I think it's benefited myself personally more so than it has my professional career, uh, <laughs> but it does. I mean, sounds about right for most yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, it, it does address more of the factors around health that influence health as opposed to the clinical aspect. So things like socioeconomic Mm. status, stress, where you were born, where you live, um, even things such as like gender and race. Uh, So it really looks at things as as opposed to get this disease, get this medicine, get better. It's more that Mm. what are all these external factors that actually influence our health over uh, our lifetimes? So crazy mm-hmm. it's taught me a lot about where I want to influence vet med because I'm like we do a lot of things wrong how do we make our team <laughs> oh um, my God, so. So true. <laughs> you get oh that would be I mean I know that you've got a couple of lectures that are brewing in that theme but oh. you could do like a whole, a whole series it'd be it'd be really cool it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, next year, I'll be getting my personal training certification. So um, putting in the physical wellness from that aspect with along with like emotional and psychological wellness, but not clinically, yeah. I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but positive uh, psychology exercises and things like that. Cause yeah. we as team members cannot do our jobs well if we are unwell. So Oh, true. Yeah. And if you've ever seen Christine in, in person at a lecture, because she does speak around around the country and sometimes outside of the country. Um, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, you have. Uh, 
um she first of all she's super fit and she loves it and she's you she can find her in the gym that's where she likes to be um but she'll do stuff like wear like amazing shoes and corsets (laughs) and then do yoga corsets look great i'm not saying that we need to wear corsets all the time but um it's like formal wear well, and especially to somebody when you are fit and muscular, you kind of lose a little bit of your feminine physique. So oh, um, baggy yes. clothes, got to go. Corsets are in. Nice. <laughs> I mean, corsets are good for a lot of things. So, uh, But anywho, so yes, Christine is very smart. She's very, very passionate about brain stuff, which is super fun <laughs> um and that's what you'll be lecturing on on sunday so this um this should go out hopefully before sunday uh november 11 12th i should know this november 12th wow <laughs> it's all blurring together um and she gets to do one of her lectures which um i'm gonna mess up the name of your lecture so you you have to tell it yeah, no, uh, it's a lecture that I've given um, a few times in different kind of formats, I guess, but it's uh, to seize or not to seize. Uh, and what I'll be talking Which about. Which is kind of amazing title as well. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I've had it around for so long. I'd love to say I came up with it, but at the same time, I wonder if I didn't see it somewhere and that's where I got it's it okay. from. You, no, I you get to own it. I'll, I'll own it for today. <laughs> um, so one of the other things on the vet side that I'm very passionate about is really seeing our technicians and assistants, like the non-veterinarian people, to be empowered to really work at the top of their license and to be as involved in veterinary health care as, as much as we can to give us engagement, sense of purpose. Uh, so seizures is one of those things. Seizures, just it's my favorite emergency in neuro, which... I don't know if people, normal people have favorite emergencies in their departments, but mine is definitely status. Hundred uh, yeah. percent they um, do. I love status because that's something that, yeah, you know, the veterinarian needs to get in and look, but what does it need? It needs triage, IV catheter, pressure on the eyes. You need thermal regulation. There's a number of things that the vet's not doing. We do. And that has a direct impact on our patients, particularly those who are seizuring cluster seizuring or or in the process of status epilepticus. And so I talk a bit about electrophysiology. Don't let that scare you. Um, It's just important to understand what happens when the nerves are firing and a seizure occurs. We talk a bit about the pathophys of having a seizure, what, what, not only what is happening, but why it's so bad for status to continue. Mm -hmm. And I talk about seizure-like events, as well as non-convulsive seizures and non-convulsive status. So as much as we think- Which I have seen your lecture already. And like, (laughs) when you showed that, I was like, no, what? Like, it's just mind blowing for us non-neuro peeps. (laughs) Nobody believes you until you see the EEG. Um, And unfortunately for things like non-convulsive status, uh, you you need to have an EEG. And what people don't understand is how we typically diagnose a seizure is just subjective clinical observations. And mm. unfortunately, 
when the brain is not doing something normal, it can cause all kinds of different things, which may be a seizure, may not be a seizure, maybe something peripheral nerve. So mm -hmm. um, we talk a little bit about things that can commonly get confused with seizure, things that we look at, um, or patients that we look at that are actually in non-convulsive status, meaning that electrically they're having a seizure in the brain, but they're not showing us the signs and symptoms that we're used to seeing. Um, both okay. scenarios, if you get it wrong, can be dangerous for different reasons. Uh, so we talk yeah. about the use of EEG, which I do recognize is not commonly used in the clinical setting, uh, but it's a test that quite frankly is easy to run. Um, depending on what parameters you're looking for, if you're just looking for status, confirming that they are or not having a seizure and interictal discharges, um, it can be it can be a game changer, particularly for those patients that present to an ER in a coma or have a history of seizure oh. and are still not normal. Um, so there's, I mean, I, I don't sell EEGs. <laughs> I'm just going to go over why I think clinically useful in certain settings in a GP practice. Of course not in your stars. If you see a lot of, you know, whether mentally altered or seizure patients, or just if a coma, again, a comatose patient comes in, you should understand what the electrical activity is. And we in neuro actually have used it to, uh, we've used it on post-arrest patients as well to determine oh. the likelihood of return to normal cerebral function. So, wow. so I do focus <laughs> more on the seizure side. I talk only very little about EEG because it is a, a diagnostic tool that's very important in the neurologist's toolbox, but, yeah. um, but kind of understanding that not all seizures look the same. I actually start off saying, you know, not all blueberries are blueberries, but you know, all blueberries are blueberries. Uh, and the whole point <laughs> yeah. kind of being like what we're looking at doesn't necessarily mean what's going on on the inside. So, yeah, it's like not all berries that are blue are blueberries, but all blueberries are blueberries. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's funny. <sighs> you know, like when we're talking about the EEG thing, it's, it's like, okay, well, it's another diagnostic tool that's probably heavily underutilized that a technician can run so oh, yeah. if you're into that stuff um hello tech utilization yeah i um <laughs> for a while at acbim we have um if anybody listening acbim is a great place to get continuing education if you are in internal medicine if you're thinking about getting your bts um, our academy, the AIMBT puts on a, um, kind of a workshop. There's usually a neurology workshop and it's mm. really great because there's, you go and you rotate it's for two hours and you rotate around different tables. And each table is basically a 20 minute mini section on neurology. And I think we've, oh, we've done nice. that every other year. We just had one this year, so it won't be next year. Uh, and previously I've done electrodiagnostics. And again, it's because my passion of what what can we do as technicians? You know, just like running blood work, we we run the we draw the blood, we run the chemistry or CBC or whatever machine, and then we take the results, give them to vet. Right. There's nothing wrong with this. This is very normal for us. And to be <laughs> honest, with electrodiagnostics, we do the same thing. Whether it's a brainstem auditory evoked response test, 
uh, EMG, nerve conduction. It is not our responsibility as technicians to interpret it. Although there's some, when you do it enough, you can interpret a lot of the results. Right. Um, it's like, it's like an ECG. Like you do it enough, you start interpreting it. Exactly. Like, and, and an EEG, and it's a great kind of, uh, correlation there because with EEG, it's like an ECG for the brain put in electrodes. <laughs> electrodes. <right. laughs> um, now there's yeah. a lot more with electrical interference and muscle artifacts. So it is, it's not right. quite as easy as that, but really it's, but the, it's very simple. The idea is very similar. Yep. And my neurologist showed me a couple times how he wanted it run and I was off to the races. So yeah. um, it's, yeah. it's a great test. Again, it, it is, in my mind, neurologists in, in emergency clinics are where it belongs. Mm. And the hard part is the interpretation. So um, someone like with my experience, I can look at the results and go seizure or not seizure. Um, mm. Not necessarily comfortable with, with other levels of interpretation, such as, you know, like, like an isoelectric or is that a, you know, a sleep spindle or, you know, spike. Uh, for a spike in waves. So but you can do I, the important things yeah. like, is this electrical interference? Is this a seizure, not a seizure? And there is, yeah. And muscle artifact a, easy. Um, right. And there's things when I've taught kind of the basics of EEG, uh, you, you learn how to look at the patient in the screen to see what kind of, are you getting a patient artifact? Um, Mm. are you does anybody have their cell phone on them and getting text messages that can interfere at times we even had an EEG that if <laughs> you sense. walked heavy footed around the patient you could see the vibrations it will pick up the vibrations from it so that's crazy um, so I say cool. oh yeah it's easy it does take practice like any test uh, yeah. but it's it's definitely a test technicians can run and my neurologists would just have me do it they were just like, that, that dog needs an EEG before MR. Cool. And then correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure someone named Christine Weaver wrote something really important about EEG for something. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I am a co-author on the paper. Um, it was mm -hmm. a case series. I don't even think I highlight it. Oh, man, that's a that's a lost opportunity for a shameless plug. I'll have to highlight it. Thanks, Amon. I was like, I will shamelessly plug you. <laughs> our, our hospital published two, um, two peer-reviewed articles on EEG. The first one was a case report of a 10-year-old cat that was experiencing non-convulsive status epilepticus. I believe we are one of the first clinics to have published that. Um, state oh, wow. Nice. In, in, cats and dogs, I believe. Um, and we followed it up in 2019 with a case series. Um, so for people who are unfamiliar with scientific literature, a case report is a basically a telling, it's, it's not a narrative, but it's kind of a narrative. It's an observational study just telling exactly what we did with a single patient. It is different than your VTS case reports. Right. Um, and then your case series is very similar. It's it's also typically retrospective. It's describing what you're finding in the data, um, but um, you're not manipulating any variables. So it's observational, but it's saying, hey, in this population who have this kind of EEGs, this is what we're seeing for a prognosis and outcome. And mm. this is not, this one case report wasn't a fluke. We're actually seeing that a significant portion of these patients with XYZ 
symptoms may actually be having a seizure. So. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was a co-author on the second, the case series, not the case report. So there is that. And then the only other thing that I wrote was um, contributing author on the chapter in the um, cannabis in veterinary medicine textbook that Stephen Seitel and Liz Houston put out in 2021. Mm, yeah. Um, I was a contributing author in the neurology chapter. I folk, I not shockingly focused my attention on seizures and the use of cannabis right. around seizures, but um, not EEG. I'm not sure that's yeah. been, but that'd be a great study, wouldn't it? Shit, I bet I know. I bet I know a neurologist that if I proposed <laughs> you know, that, he'd be right. on it and I'm not going like, to yeah. mention his name, um, but <laughs> I have an idea he'd be all over that to see. Right. Um, it'd be interesting. The EEG, electric, electrographic changes of the cerebral cortex secondary to CBD administration. Like, yeah. Be a great nerdy thing to do. I I'm love so nerdy stuff. It's the best. <laughs> Do you have any speaking things coming up or? Um, I, I mean, it, we've got the, um, we're very excited that Vet Tech Life is bringing back CE on C. <gasps> oh, that's January, right. January 2024, we have a number of VTS speakers. Uh, we've, there's an emergency and critical care uh, track. There's anesthesia, well-being um, so there's a lot of really great tracks for vet techs. I have a very small part in that. I'm just doing anesthesia for the brain compromised patient. Shocker, focusing on the brain again. Um, <laughs> just because I, neuro. Switch does. Well, and I think people too don't realize that neuroanesthesia isn't just for neurotechs. Um, if right. you, if you have a patient that has a seizure disorder, well, well controlled or not, it's a brain patient, hydrocephalus patients, brain patients, mm. head trauma. So everything from just the they that's why I say it's brain compromised. Because right. yeah, it's yeah. not just these horrible brain, like you know, refractory epileptics that I worry about or craniotomy patients. Like th there's more to consider when we talk about brain anesthesia. So yeah, that totally makes sense. So it's I mean, so if anybody is thinking about it, go ahead and look it up. I honestly don't know when registration ends or if it's still available. Ooh, I wonder um, if this coming one is, uh, I'm going to Google this really quickly. Um, but it's, it's a really great, uh, program that we have and you get to be on a cruise ship. I mean, in the Caribbean in the winter and it is race approved. I did do the race approval for that as well. Well, and just, uh, just making sure that people keep an eye on this. So it's CE on the sea. Yes. Um, because there is one called CE by the sea. It is not that one. No, just, this is it's vet tech life, just so mm -hmm. everybody knows. So vet tech life is who does it. And our friend Kelly um Cronin's a genius. And so if you um, don't know Kelly Cronin, be friends with her, man. I gotta tell you, she's no a kidding. powerhouse. Gosh. Oh, it looks like registration is still open, which Fantastic. I was, I thought it was closed, but that's exciting that it's not closed yet. Um, so if you go to vet tech life and do CE on the C, um, and C as in like 
a cruise. <laughs> yes. Um, that is it. And it's, I think, January. Yes, January? it's the third week in January. I should probably pay attention and buy plane tickets if I'm speaking, but <laughs> I got my hotel and I got my ship boarding. So that's, I mean, that's the important stuff, I'll right? Figure out drive <laughs> if I have to. Um, oh, God, what a miserable drive. Uh, but yeah, so it yeah. takes out of Miami. Uh, we even have like kind of a, what I'm calling a pregame party the night before yes. uh, we depart. Um, so it's going to be a really cool. great time to just hang out. Um, and if you're going and you see me, always feel free to say hi. Uh, I am by nature introverted, but I flex a lot of extrovert muscles when I'm at these things. So always feel free to say hi. She does. She does a really good job. <laughs> I know we've, we've, we've been in, we've been at places together. Yeah. And then, uh, the 2025 one there's, uh, it's just basically the dates right now. Yep. Um, January 12th, 2025 through the 17th, 25. Um, and it's Cozumel and Costa Maya is where it's going. Um, and our but good in, friend Yvonne Brandenburg will be speaking on that one. <laughs> And I better that be. one, I'm just going to be <laughs> sipping cocktails and being like, I'm in peace. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but because um, we've had some people be like, is this a real thing? It's real, you guys. It's real. Yeah, it's real. At least I that hope tech, so. Right. I'm going there to speak, so it better be real. <laughs> it better be. Yeah. That tech, that tech focused cruise. Yes. With continuing education. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Oh, yep. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad you're involved with that, by the way. <laughs> um, are you doing yeah, other Maybe other 2025, speaking? if I have my uh, certifications and everything, I'll <gasps> see if Kelly will let me run a spin class or something. <laughs> oh my God, how fun would that be? You Why don't not? want me as a spin class instructor. I'm kind of intense. I wouldn't, but I know other people who would. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be in the background. There's a back row for a reason, Yvonne, and some days I'm in it. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that there's really a whole lot else. I do some work with um, the British Veterinary Receptionist Association, just because, like I said, I like to empower and uplift all members of the team, vet tech or, um, you know, the client service reps that get very little credit for the hard work that they do. Seriously. So happy to marry up with um, an organization that really helps to promote that. So I don't run any of that. Um, they're just colleagues of mine. And every once in a while, if they need help with something, I, I help them out. But um, it's yeah, so a if you're in the process. British world of of the world. And that's one of the things I do is I help to Americanize things. Uh, we are two mm. countries separated by a common language for sure. So seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you might see Christine's name with that, which is actually not anytime, cool. not anytime soon. Um, no, but I it's kind of cool. It's yeah, and and really great people. I mean, these are people that are extremely dedicated to veterinary receptionists. I mean, they even have an accreditation. Uh, so, oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a lot easier to set up in the UK than the United States, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure. just FYI. I can understand that seeing as how, you know, takes some of our states don't even have tech accreditation. So that is one of the 
big obstacles is having 50 states that all want to do it their own way. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, anything else you can think of? Otherwise, I'll let you actually have your day back. <laughs> no, it's fine. It just looks darker than, I mean, because now the sun's gone. I know. I was like, oh, no, it's nighttime. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's honestly, it's five. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you. And I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your lecture again on yeah. Sunday. I get to say again, you guys will care for the first time, which is really fun. And then, um, uh, so if you want to find out more about the conference and it's, you know, be <laughs> before it ends, uh, go to IMFPP. So internal medicine for pet parents, because that's where we started. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so imfpp.org slash conference 23. So conference two, three, that gets you to our zoom events page. Um, if it's after, uh, November 12th, 2023, we are recording these lectures and they will be on demand. Um, so if you just go to our website, so internal medicine for vet We'll have links there somehow to, to find it. I don't have that link right now. So <laughs> it's it's still being set up um, and we're getting it race approved for on demand as well. So that's that, that is not done yet. It's in process. Um, but yeah, you'll be able to get her lecture. And um, Christine's really good. Like if you want, if you have questions about things, you can always reach out to her. She's really good about, and she's just like me. If, if we don't know the answers, we know people who do. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you can always, can always check in. So cool. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. <laughs> and I will talk with everybody later. Have a great week. Keep getting your learn on. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.